Father, we thank you for the privilege that you have given us to gather together to worship you both in spirit and in truth. And we understand that if we hear just the mere words of a man, uh, that they uh, they are nothing. So we would ask that you would be pleased by your Spirit to speak through Jesus to our hearts and our minds, that you would open our eyes to behold the beauty and the glory of Christ and the, the power and the authority that is found in His words that you would stir us afresh to give us a greater comprehension of the power of your presence as we live moment by moment and day to day. And to him be the glory both now and forevermore. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. The title of this message is Living in the Presence of Christ. I notice a number of the songs that we were singing talks about looking to Christ as he is at the right hand of the Father. And yes, in his form as a man, he is right now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for all the saints. And that is for those of us who are living right now, and for those who are yet to come, and for those who are yet to become His. And in this closing passage here, we have the closing statements of the gospel recorded by Matthew as led by the Holy Spirit of God. We have not only the Great Commission, which is the greatest work that any human soul could ever have the pleasure of being involved in, and of which the partaking of the Lord's table is actually one of the all things which is referred to in this passage, but perhaps arguably the greatest promise ever made to the children of God while we are here on earth was made. For you see, this is more than a promise. This is a fact. The ESV study notes states very well, this is the crucial element in discipleship. So what is the promise? What is the fact? And what is this element? And it is this truth. It is the presence of Christ. Let me go back and read that one more time. In verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are a child of the living God, born of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are now living in the presence of Christ. Whether you acknowledge it or not. I can remember, actually I can't remember when I was born, physically, 
and neither can you. But that is one of the reasons God gives us through the words of Christ, through the words of the Spirit, He gives us pictures to help us to comprehend and understand what it means to be born again. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. So that when we are born in the flesh... Born in the body, we have someone else who's taking care of us until we come to the realization that, hey, I'm a human being. We are constantly learning from the time we're brought into the world, but we don't fully comprehend who it is or what it is that we are. And it can be likewise that way with those who are born of the Spirit of God. Now, we have... We have many privileges in the country that we live in, and we have many privileges in having teachers and preachers of the Word and having ample copies of the Scriptures available to us to where we can fill our minds on an intellectual level of understanding the words of Scripture, but unless the Spirit gives us life in Christ, then all we are doing is understanding in an intellectual level. While in preparation for this message, originally I had about a four-point outline speaking of the source or the person of the promise. Jesus said, I am with you. He said all authority, all power was given to him in heaven and in earth, meaning he reigns sovereignly over all things and every detail of our lives right at this moment. There is not a breath that we take that he's not in charge of it. There's not a move that we make. We'll look at that a little more later. Secondly, the exclusivity of the promise. He says, behold, I am with you always. So when he was speaking, we understand he was speaking to the eleven who had been with him during this time, whom he had chosen and selected and trained, who were not quite sure everything going on along the way. You find time and time again, he tells them that he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die, he's going to be buried, and he's going to rise again. And even on one occasion, Peter said, not so, Lord. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things that are of God. You do not understand and comprehend God's way yet. So that when they met him in this place, it says they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The very men he had chosen to be with him for three years, give them instruction, give them this training, and they came to this place. After he's risen from the grave, they see him and they doubt. (laughs) Kind of describes us sometimes when we read the Word of God, doesn't it? We see what he says, and we're like, really now? 
We see in the passage the effect of the promise. They were made useful for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And fourthly, he said he would be with them always. So we had this three, four point outline. As the Great Commission is not optional for the child of God. In fact, the word and is a word which connects this truth with this ongoing process to the end of the age. God does not save you to simply live out your lives. And if we can squeeze this in, then that's a very good thing. No, if you're a child of God, then you are a part of the ongoing effect of the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. But then I I actually became captivated by this word, behold. You don't have to be a theological giant or have in-depth perception of the Greek language to understand the weightiness of this word, behold. In the Greek, it is the word, idu. It is referenced as the second person singular middle voice imperative. Now what I want you to really get out of all of that is that this is not optional either. It means to know that I am with you always. It is to be aware that I am with you always. And it is to be sure that I am with you always. The one whom John spoke of says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, is with you always, even to the end of the age. The one whom all things were made by and made for is with you always. In the ESV, again, the word is translated behold. We note then in the King James and in the ASB, it's translated low. Now, if you had to be honest, how many would say, well, I know what the word, I knew what the word low meant. Behold is perhaps in this case a better English word for us to comprehend what he's saying here. It is a verb which means it requires action and thus it is also a command. The undergirding of this word behold is massive and includes more than we have the time to look into. But of the more than 30 definitions in relation to its English etymology, I thought we might look at just a few of these things to help bring into our understanding a better idea of what Jesus was telling us that we should do here. He says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a word speaking in relation to the scope, which means it has the sense of the distance that the mind can reach. It has the sense of the distance that the mind can reach. 
1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, if you are here today and you are not a child of God, you cannot even comprehend the fact that Christ is with you in this world as you walk through this world. There's a part of you by nature that you don't even want to know that. Because if you knew that Christ was right there with you, everywhere you went, with everything you did, and you knew that He was the God that could take your breath any moment, that'd scare you to death sometimes, wouldn't it? But this is the scope that in the sense of the distance that the mind can reach. God has given us a wonderful gift in giving us the mind that He's given. But if that mind is an unregenerate mind, then we do not have the capacity to see the realities of the Spirit of God. It is to look at or perceive. Our problem as believers is not with the truth of what Christ said. The problem is with our perception. With our perception. Hebrews 12 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So on the one hand, he is at the right hand of the throne of God, but on the other hand, he is right here with you in whatever you're undergoing, and he wants you to see that. He wants you to see that he is with you. He has given them this great commission. He's giving them this command to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he wants you to understand that as you are in the process of understanding who he made you to be, how he has gifted you, and how he wants to use you as a part of the body of Christ in making him known, he is going to be with you. It is a word that means to have and to hold. He says, behold, I am with you. And most of us know that language to refer to the marriage relationship. Romans 7, 4, he says, You also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may be, we may bear fruit for God. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Behold, I am with you always. Jesus, my Lord, will love me from forever. From him no power on earth can ever sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him 
It means to become affected by it. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. First John says, now we are the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see Him, that is Jesus, face to face, we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone, every one of us who has this hope within us, that He has placed in us as a gift of His free grace, we purify ourselves even as He is pure. Now, yes, there may be times we get discouraged with our place in the process. Who doesn't? But we realize we are not our own. We belong to Him and He belongs to us and He is now with us in the process. It is to see, it is to follow with the eyes and to recognize the force of with the sense of having an escort, which is to see someone home. David, the man after God's own heart, had a sense of the presence of God when he wrote in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, just reading a part of that. Says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts so far off. You know what I'm thinking even before I think them. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You know what I say even before I'm going to say it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. But take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me, the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. One of the most wonderful things about those of us who are His children is we can now look back over the course of our lifetime and we can see how He helped us and He kept us from more than what we were involved in so that He might save us and then use us to proclaim His glory. So then, to the regenerate mind, He who spoke these eternal words while here on earth now speaks from heaven to his spirit. By virtue of the fact that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, saying to us, as you take all of these 
references that we have made in relation to this word behold, he says, look at me and perceive the fact that I am with you always to the end of the age. He is our husband, and by the enabling power of his spirit, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another as he escorts us home by the power of his presence working in us both to will and to do the good pleasure of God. So the work is his from beginning to end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is with you. He is with me. He is with us in our prayer life. We don't have to ask him to be with us. And we've all done this at some time or another. Lord, be with us. He is with us. In fact, it's the fact that He is with us that enables us to go to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If it were not for Him being with us, don't even think about approaching the throne of God. That's why He told the disciples in Matthew 6, Luke 11, when you pray, say, our Father, our Father, God has not only our God, He has now become our Father by adoption through the perfect work of Christ at Calvary. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Don't get too much in a hurry to start asking for things you want or need. Spend some time worshiping Him for who He is and desiring that God make Himself known in this world and that His glory is elevated above all things. Because the one thing that I am excited about looking forward to one day is the Bible tells us the glory of God shall cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sadness. And if we're His children, we will have the privilege of partaking of things which our minds cannot even conceive of at this moment. For eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. And ultimately, no one has ever loved Him like Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can enable us to love Him as well. And part of that enablement is by understanding and realizing that He is with us all the way. He is with you in your sanctification process and in the mortification of sins. That's why I brought this other book up here. It's one of the two volumes by Sam Storms on a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It says, the process that we call sanctification comes only as or because we behold the glory of God. Apart from beholding, there is no becoming. The more we know Him and behold Him in the splendor of His glory, the more we are changed into the very image of Jesus Himself. 
in whose face God's glory has shined or is reflected. Sanctification, therefore, is the fruit of seeing and savoring Jesus. Ignorance, on the other hand, breeds moral paralysis, if not regression. Beholding is a way of becoming. That is to say, we always tend to become like or take on the characteristics and qualities of whatever it is we admire and enjoy and cherish most. Fixing the eyes of our faith on Jesus is transformative. Gazing on His glory as seen in the Gospel and now preserved for us in Scripture has the power to bump us along, as it were, whether minimally or maximally, whether in short spurts of sanctification or great and notable triumphs toward the fullness that is found in Christ alone, but will one day be found in us by grace as well. So be encouraged, be strengthened, reassured, for he who began a work in you from glory will bring it to completion unto glory at the day of Jesus Christ. He says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you in afflictions and troubles. Thomas Brooks, one of the great Puritans, in his precious remedies against Satan's devices, says, All afflictions and troubles that do attend men in a way of righteousness can never rob them of their treasure of their jewels. The treasures of the saint are the presence of God, the favor of God, union and communion with God, the pardon of sin, the joy of the Spirit, the peace of conscience, which are jewels that none can give of Christ, nor can take away of Christ. The believer's treasure is always safe in the hands of Christ. His life is safe, his soul is safe, his comfort is safe, and his crown is safe in the hand of Christ. Luther said it this way, Let him that died for my soul see to the salvation of it. He said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you in the example you set. And he is pleased as you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But if you misrepresent him, and drag his name through the mud, he will not put up with it continually. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And if necessary, he is well able to take us out of this world for the honor of his name. Sometimes I... Look back and I marvel. I marvel at his mercy for me, his kindness toward me. But I realize it wasn't because of me, it was because of who he is. That's why he says, And such were some of you, but you're washed, washed in the blood of the Lamb. 
says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, and what then? This is something he actually addressed previously in that same book, Matthew chapter 13, verse 36. He says, And left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. If you read through various Gospels, you will find the disciples, the disciples of Christ were continually coming to him and asking him to explain what it was that he was telling everybody. Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. For this is the purpose for which we were born, as seed sown in each generation, will show forth the glory of Jesus our Lord, the Lamb slain before the foundation of this present world before it was formed were spoken by Him to existence. As He, the Almighty, with one single word, will overcome all the resistance. Now present as vanities of nations rage, continually sinking in mire, this age will then end by His word as decreed, our God is a consuming Fire. Where will you be? What will you see and feel at the end of your course? Will you enter with joy the presence of God and know Him through Jesus, the source of life from the dead as our covenant head? Rejoice in the great consummation or forever be doomed as the flames will consume all hope in eternal damnation. Now is the time, and today is the day, if you by His grace hear His voice, and answer the call as before Him you fall, rejoice that He made you His choice. Spirit of God, Please come and breathe through the words of your infinite heart. Help us more clearly the love of our Savior to see though now but in heart. Know the assurance that like Him will be beholding His glorious face. Fulfilled by the promise you speak by your word, and your by grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that 
you have not left us to ourselves or our own ingenuity or our own capacity to even comprehend. But little by little you, you grow in the grace and the knowledge that is ours through the gift of salvation as provided through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. We ask that you would be pleased to implant in our hearts and our minds a greater comprehension of the fact that Jesus is with us every moment of every day by the Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth and has given the assurance and the knowledge that like Him we will be. So we ask that for those who are here who do not know you, that you would arrest their attention by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those that are yours, fill us with that confidence as we go. In Christ's name, amen.